Now, it's good to have you all here. I'd like to uh, welcome those here and also extend a uh, shalom to those online. We know that we have many, many watching online, and it's always a blessing knowing that they're there listening and participating. Where today I want to talk about the biblical diet, something most of us are pretty uh, familiar with. You know, the, the sad reality is most people in this nation and world, they see nothing wrong with going to a restaurant, buying a ham sandwich. They believe that this is uh, kosher, if you will, or fine to do based on what our Father says within his word. Where the problem is we know differently. We know that Yahweh doesn't allow for this. He doesn't permit this. We know from the word that he deems these meats. I'm not going to say foods because they're not foods. These meats is an abomination. That's what we find within the word. We'll see examples of that, by the way. We're going to see some videos today. Uh, we're going to see some articles, some science, and a lot of uh, information confirming what we find within the word. And that's one of the things I really find fascinating about this topic, this, the fact that we have so much evidence today now for medical science confirming what the Bible says. And to me, that's just amazing. It's just amazing. You know, how did a bunch of nomads know thousands of years ago about the detriments of eating pork from a medical or scientific standpoint. But we're going to see again, science supports what we find within the Bible. The Bible is proven right time and time again. And that's one of the things I find fascinating about the Bible and science. Some people, they want to disconnect science with the Bible. I've even heard believers say that we shouldn't be talking about science. Well, the Bible has science all throughout and I believe that it confirms what we find within the Bible. You know, have you ever thought about, again, how a bunch of nomads, desert dwellers, could have known about clean foods, oysters, or whatnot? You know, for me, this simply shows that the Bible we look to for direction was inspired by a divine creator. There's no doubt it was inspired by a divine creator. You know, he understood those items that we should and should not do. He understood that there were certain foods or meats that were good and other meats that were not good. And he gave us that information within his word. And that's such an amazing thing to know and to realize that we have a creator and he loves us so much that he gave us his word. And within this word, he's given us instructions that provide benefit. And that's really what it is. It provides benefit to us. It provides benefit in what we can and cannot eat, what is healthy and what is not healthy, what is a detriment and what is not a detriment to our health. Again, it's such an amazing thing. When we obey him, we're blessed. When we disobey him, we're cursed. And sometimes we're cursed with bad health. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to see some of the detriments of eating pork and other unclean foods or meats. So uh, it really is a remarkable study. I want to begin with Leviticus 11, Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14. Those are the two passages that list in detail. We're going to go through this rather quickly. There's really not a whole lot to uh, talk about. Most of it's pretty self-intuitive, what it says. So I'll point out a few things and we'll continue on. But I want to read first Leviticus 1, 1 through 8. It says there, Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, say to the Israelites, and I'm reading, by the way, from the NIV. I think it actually does a better job here in this case, although as you'll hear later, I'm not a real big fan in most cases, but for this, it's pretty good. It says, say to the Israelites of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof, so a completely divided hoof, and that chews the cud. And we'll talk more about chewing the cud, what that is. I have a video explaining 
how that works. So there are some that only uh, only chew the cud or only have a divided hoof, but you must not eat them. And we'll see some examples of those, of animals that have a divided hoof but does not chew the cud, and or they may chew the cud but does not have a completely divided hoof, including the camel. Some people are confused with that. Although it says within the word, the camel, though it chews a cud, so it doesn't chew the cud, does not have a divided hoof. And we'll, we'll see a picture of that hoof. It is ceremonially unclean to you. The hyrax, though it chews a cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews a cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean to you. You must not either meet or touch their carcasses. They are unclean to you. So we find here the instructions of animals and what we can and cannot eat. We see that Yahweh gives specific instructions on what is clean, what is not clean. So what is a clean animal based on the word? Well, it's not complicated. A clean animal is one who has a completely divided hoof and that chews a cud. That is a clean animal. Any other animal that does not do those two things, and they must do both. It must have both a split hoof completely divided and chew the cud. If it does not do both of those items, it is unclean. And we'll see some examples again of that. So that is how we know as believers what is clean and what is unclean. It's very simple. Again, if it has a completely divided hoof, and if it chews a cud, it is clean. If not, it is unclean. Now, we also see here that it says don't touch the carcass of these animals. What does that mean, carcass? Or essentially, this is a corpse of the animal. The uh, Hebrew is ne'elah. Strong's defines this as a flabby thing, that is a carcass or carin. And the uh, brown driver Briggs Hebrew lexicon defines this as a, a carcass or a corpse. So you really see corpse. Yahweh is saying don't touch a corpse of an unclean animal. If you do, you're ceremonially unclean. So I promised some split hoofs and some other non-split hoofs. So here's some examples. So we have a cow hoof. We have a goat hoof. We have an elk hoof. What's, what are those animals that share in common? Well, they're all clean. They're clean animals. Why? Because they have a split hoof, and we also know they chew the cud. Now, we have two other hoofs down below. We have a camel hoof, and we have a pig hoof. Now, a camel, as you might remember, it does chew the cud. But you can see from the photo here, the hoof is not completely divided. Therefore, the camel is unclean. Now, the pig hoof, you can see, is completely divided. It's a real good picture of that. You can see the hoof, and it's completely divided. But what does the pig not do? The pig does not chew the cud, so the pig is too unclean. So cow, goat, elk, all of those are clean animals because, again, they have a divided hoof, and they chew the cud. Unlike the pig, again, which does not chew the cud, or the camel, which does not have a completely divided hoof. Now, some people look at that hoof and they will say it's somewhat divided. It has to be completely divided to be clean. If it's not a completely divided hoof or does not chew the cud, it is unclean. Now, what does it mean to chew the cud? What does it mean to chew the cud? I have a short video on this. I want to share that with you. It's just a minute, minute and a half. And this uh, person explains what it means to chew the cud and uh, shows from a biological standpoint how that happens. At the heart of this bond is the remarkable biology of the cow. A cow can eat pretty much anything, 
and miraculously transform it into milk, meat, and a whole range of other products that sustain our daily lives. The key to the cow's success lies here, the rumen. It's of the belief of every school child that the cow has four stomachs. That's not really true. What it has is one true stomach, the abomasum, which is exactly the same as our stomach. Upstream of that is a multi-compartmental fermentation vat, fermentation chamber, wherein live the microbes. Now, when the cow goes out to graze, she eats the grass really as quickly as possible and swallows it almost unchanged. That comes into the rumen, and at that point, it's really quite difficult for the microbes to penetrate through the cell wall and start the chemical digestion of, of, of the plant fiber. So what the cow has also evolved is this really elegant mechanism of rumination. In this, she moves the food round in the rumen, and then a bolus of food is regurgitated, passes up to the mouth, and then she takes it in her mouth and chews it rather as old cowboys would chew tobacco, 20 chews on one side, 20 chews on the other. This breaks it up, and it comes back down again into the rumen. The microbes, having done their work, then are passed out of the fermentation chamber into the abomasum, where they heroically die and give up their lives to provide protein for the cow to produce milk and meat for ourselves. Okay, now we all understand what it means to chew the cud. So let's move on to the next item on the list here. Leviticus 11, 9 through 12, it says of all the creatures living in the water of the seas and the streams, you may eat anything that have fins and scales. So there is the way to distinguish clean and unclean. But all creatures in the seas of streams or streams that do not have fins and scales, whether among the, all the swarming things or among all the living creatures in the water, you are, you are to regard as unclean. And since you are to regard them as unclean, you must not eat their meat you must regard their carcasses as unclean. So again, that's their corpse. Anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be regarded as unclean by you. So this is very, very simple. Anybody who's uh, fished or you've seen a fish, it's not really hard to tell whether or not it's unclean. There are some things that are a bit harder. Water, uh, an aquatic animal to be clean, it has to both have fins and scales. So just as the animals had to both chew the cud and have a completely divided hoof, we find two qualifications for aquatic life, and that is both fins and scales. And here's an example, crappie. I really enjoy crappie. I like eating crappie. I like catching crappie. And you can see from a crappie, this is a clean fish. And we have a lot of crappie here in Missouri. And you see the fins, and you can also see the scales. So this is an example of a clean fish. And I also have some examples. This is the aquatic wall of shame. See, the aquatic wall of shame. These are things we should not be eating. So catfish, or we know catfishes are unclean. Why? Where a catfish has no scales. It has fins, but no scales. So it's, a, it's part of that aquatic wall of shame. Or a lobster. I don't know if those are scales or not, but it doesn't look like a fish. So we're just going to skip that. A crab, the same thing. Octopus. I don't know if it has... Fins, I don't see them, and certainly has no uh, scales there. Shrimp, same thing, and clam, the same thing. So all of these aquatic animals, 
do not meet the biblical definition of what is clean. And again, the aquatic wall of shame, catfish, lobster, crab, octopus, ship, shrimp, and clam. It's amazing, too, because all of these items are very, very popular. It's hard to go anywhere in Missouri and not have catfish. Catfish is very popular here in Missouri, and of course, lobster and crab, and uh, thankfully, octopus isn't real common, but shrimp is certainly common, depending on where you go, clams are, too. So Yahweh says within his word that these things are an abomination. These items are an abomination. They are, they, it is a sin to partake of these animals. Now, one of, the, um, one of the things we know is that these, these aquatic life forms, for the most part, they're scavengers, and they purify the water. Now, having another, um, yes, another video. Now, this is of a clam, and it shows within about a minute or 30 seconds, what happens within two hours of a tank with impurities and what clams do. So here it is. So you can see here very quickly, time lapse, but this is two hours, and you see the uh, the, on the course on my right side, I guess your left side, but you can see the water lightening up there in the tank with the clams. And about another hour or another hour, you're going to see a big difference between these two tanks. You kind of see the clams even move during this time. They don't move fast, but you can see movement. Now look at how clear that water is in just two hours of time. Lobsters and all these unclean animals are scavengers. And their role and purpose is to remove the waste, to purify the waste. That's the reason Yahweh created them. That's what we find within the word. And that's what we find within medical science today. So it really is an amazing thing when we look at the Bible, when we understand what is clean and unclean, and we understand why from a scientific standpoint. It is incredible from my standpoint because we understand that these are unclean and we understand why. And again, in this case, they are scavengers and they are purifiers of the water. So... I want to move on now to birds, Leviticus 11. Now, this is a little bit unique. We don't find the same qualifications of clean and unclean. Yahweh just lists unclean. So these are the birds you are to regard as unclean and and not eat because they're unclean. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the cormorant, the uh, great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the offspring, the stork, any kind of heron, the hopi, and the bat. So these are the unclean birds. And let's see here. I think I have a uh, list. Yes. So here's a list of clean. Here's a list of uh, unclean. Now, swan is in the King James. I'll just mention this really quickly. The NIV does not mention the swan. It's a mistranslation. Uh, the swan, the word in Hebrew really refers to an owl, not to a swan. So uh, swans are not mentioned as unclean. Now, there's also a reference to clean and unclean and how they distinguish this from a Jewish standpoint. Because, again, the Bible li- simply lists the unclean. does not give any qualifications, does not give any metrics to use to distinguish what is clean and unclean. So this is from... It's called the, uh, let's see here, the uh, Shukan Aru. And it lists three things 
Again, this is not scriptural, but this is how the Jews, many Jews, define what is clean and unclean. So kosher birds, the presence of a crop, an extra finger, and a gizzard that can be peeled. The bird must also not be a bird of prey. Now, just for your reference, you may want to remember that for the uh, review later. But here's the uh, three signs, again, based on this shakun uh, aruk and uh, how the Jews understand and define clean and unclean. So clean birds, examples would be chick, uh, chicken, turkey, dove, duck, goose, pigeon. All of that would be clean. Unclean would include the vulture, the kite, the raven, owl, gull, hawk, hawk, so on and so forth. So you see the birds that are clean and unclean. Well, let's move on now to insects. It says, all flying insects that walk on all fours are to be regarded as unclean by you. So it's very clear, right? Self-intuitive. If it walks on all fours, if it's a bug, it's unclean. It says, there are, however, some flying insects that walk on all fours that you may eat, those that are jointed legs for hopping on the ground. Of these, you may eat any kind of locust, katydid, cricket, or grasshopper. So those are all clean. But all other flying insects that have all four legs, you are to regard as unclean. So we see here that if there's a bug and it crawls and doesn't have a joint of the legs for hopping, it is unclean. If we find a bug, that an insect that can hop, or guess what? That bug is clean. So this would include, again, the locust, the cricket, the grasshopper. You know, remember what Scripture says about John the Baptist. Who remembers what John the Baptist ate? A locust and honey. So I don't know how many of us would want to go and participate in a John the Baptist diet. I was talking to a brother here a few weeks ago, and he said he's done this. Now, it was cricket flour, I think, he was using with honey. So it's ground up crickets. But it is clean. And John the Baptist, he evidently had a thing for crickets or locust and uh, wild honey. And in fact, we, uh, I'll just uh, read that. Matthew 3, 4 says, In the same John had his raiment of camels here. And by the way, some will say, or isn't that touching the carcass? Or the, the assumption is, and I think this is the only conclusion you can make, is that he cut the hair while the animal was still alive. So the, the, the corpse or the carcass would have been unclean, but the hair you can certainly use for a garment. It says in a leathern girdle, about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. So that's Matthew 3, 4. You may want to remember that. So here's a slide. Now, I thought it'd be kind of humorous, maybe. Here's examples of some clean insects. And also, if you're curious, you can. Here's a recipe. It says honey-spiced locusts. And the good news is we can, all buy, we can buy all this from Amazon. One cup cleaned insects, normally fried crickets, dried crickets. I guess maybe you do. I don't know. But anyway, there's a recipe if you're interested. I thought about bringing something to Sabbath meal, but I, I stopped short. I stopped short. But uh, anywho, there's, there's your uh, locust recipe. Don't say I didn't teach you anything. Okay, let's move on here. So Leviticus 11, 29 through 31. 
It says that the animals that move along the ground, these are unclean for you, the weasel, the rat, any kind of great lizard, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skink, and the chameleon of all those that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. Whoever touches them when they are dead will be unclean till evening. So notice this extension of a dead carcass extends even to insects. So in short, all reptiles and rodents are to be avoided. So no rodents and no reptiles. You know, speaking about rodents, I'm going to share with you a real quick story I thought about just now. John Hopkins University, they did a study many years ago. I wish I had this study. I I lost the study. But it lists the different types of meats and the levels of toxicity with the meats. And I think the the thing on the top, the animal that was best for human consumption was a a deer or an elk or something like that. Beef was pretty far up on the list. But guess where a rat ranked? Or a rat was less toxic than a pig. So according to that study, it'd be better to eat a rat than a pig. I'm just bringing that out. Obviously, we're to, we're to avoid all of it. But I did find that intriguing, that the uh, toxicity, when looking at it from a medical, sci- a medical science standpoint, that it was uh, better to uh, eat a rat than a pig. I want to move on now and talk about two prophecies in the book of Isaiah, both dealing with unclean food and the consequences of eating this. So the first one is in Isaiah 65, 2 through 5. It says, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people. Or certainly we're a rebellious nation today. We're, you know, we, we see that in many ways. It says, which walks in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. A people that provokes me to anger continuously to my face. The sacrifices in gardens and burns incense upon altars of brick. And we'll, we'll get into this in just a few moments. But this is idolatry is what was occurring here. It says, which remain among the graves and lodge in the mountains, which eat what? Swine's flesh, swine's flesh, pork, and broth of abominable things in their vessels, which say, stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burns all the day. So Yahweh here speaking to, he says, a rebellious people, much like what we see today. It says here that they walked in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. And, you know, we see the same thing today. People are walking not in a good way. They're walking in a wicked way. They're walking according to their own thoughts to mold Yahweh and his word into their own image. So, again, this same rebellious, reprobate spirit exists today and even more so maybe. You know, whether it's a promotion of homosexuality or abortion, we, we see this. And we certainly know that Yahweh is provoked to anger because of these items. So what was happening here in this passage? Were the people they were committing idolatry, false worship. And part of this included the eating of swine's flesh. And it says other abominations. You know, for those who believe that Yahweh has cleansed all meat, it's important to pause here and consider what he says. Do you really believe that Yahweh is okay with eating an animal that he calls an abomination. And these are prophetic passages, I believe. Do you really believe it's permissible to eat that which Yahweh defines as an abomination? If Yahweh found the eating of swine's flesh an abomination here, how can we condone it in our day and age? 
where he closes here by saying that those who do such things are a smoke in his nose and a fire that burns all day. You know, the lesson here is simple. Eating unclean animals is not only a sin, but it's an abhorrence. It's something that our Father in heaven finds loathsome. And that's the definition, by the way, of abomination. It refers to something that's an abhorrence to the one we worship. And Yahweh says here that this is an abomination to eat pork and swine and other unclean foods. It's not just about contaminating our bodies. It's about defying the one we worship. And it's about avoiding and abstaining from that which he defines as an abomination. And we find here that the eating of swine's flesh is included within this concept of an abomination. Now, one more passage here from Isaiah. Isaiah 66, 16 through 17, it says, For behold, Yahweh will come with fire. So this passage is speaking about judgment to the rebellious, to the wicked. It says, And with his chariots with it like a whirlwind, to render his anger and fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will Yahweh plead with all flesh. And the slain of Yahweh shall be many. And again, I believe that this is a prophetic passage. We know that Isaiah 66 is a prophetic passage. And here Yahweh is describing the punishment for those who defy him. It says, They that sanctify themselves and purify themselves in the gardens behind one tree in the mist or in the middle, eating swine's flesh, swine's flesh, and the abomination, and the mouse shall be consumed together, saith Yahweh. We see here again the rebellious nature of mankind, this, this reprobate mind. You know, I gave a message several weeks ago about the reprobate mind and the rebellion and the wickedness we're seeing in this nation. I truly believe that we are seeing a rebellious spirit, a reprobate spirit within this nation. Or we see that here as well. It speaks about those who purify themselves in the gardens and who eat swine's flesh and other abominations and the mouse. You know, for a moment, I want to explain what it means when it says purifying themselves in the gardens. This is more than simply purifying in that sense. This is a form of idolatry. So the Adams Clark commentary says this. It says, quote, after the rice of Akkad, the Syrians worshiped the god called Adad. They held him in the highest and greatest of all the gods, it says, and to the same with Jupiter and the sun. So this is connected to some sort of sun worship. In reference to uh, behind one tree, here's what the Wycliffe Bible commentary says. It says, rather, behind one person, that is, behind the cult leader who heads up idolatrous purification ceremonies. So this is idolatry. This is false worship to the highest esteem. You know, we find with Christmas and with so many other things, we find the same thing here, and that is sun worship, nature worship. And Yahweh says that this is wickedness. Now, along with worship... We find here that, the, and this was pro- probably part of the worship, but they were eating swine's flesh. The abomination, it says, a mouse. You know, for those guilty of this, what does Yahweh say here? He says that they shall be consumed together. They shall be consumed together. Now, I can hear some people say, or this was, Yahweh wasn't concerned about the swine's flesh. He was concerned about the idolatry. Or certainly Yahweh was concerned about the idolatry. But he's also concerned here about swine's flesh. Notice again it says swine's flesh and the abomination. 
You see, there's a connection between swine's flesh and the abomination. And again, the word abomination refers to that which is an abhorrence to the one we worship. And Yahweh says here that this is an abomination to him. It's an abomination to his word. And it's something we, obviously, as believers, must avoid. Now, for those who still believe that pork is okay, is permissible to eat, I want to ask, why would our Father in Heaven define pork and other unclean food as an abomination in the old and be okay with it in the new? It makes no sense at all. Have the animals changed? Did Yahshua's death somehow supernaturally change these animals? No. There's been no change. They were unclean in the old and they're still unclean in the new. Nothing's changed for the one we worship. Yahshua's death did not modify, did not alter, did not change these animals in some way, purifying them for human consumption. As we'll see here shortly, even science has proven that pork and other unclean foods is unclean and unhealthy and are detriment to our health. Yahshua's death, again, had nothing to do with this, and we'll see that. You know, in fact, and we're going to look at this example later, but in Acts 10, verse 14, we find there specifically in Peter's vision that he said he had never eaten anything common or unclean. And as we'll talk about, this was 10 years after Yahshua's ascension to heaven, Yahshua's death and ascension to heaven. Did he miss the memo? How did Peter not know that Yahshua cleansed all these meats? Or Peter did not know because it never happened. But we, we see that example in the New Testament that Peter says, look, I've never eaten anything unclean. Ten years after Yahshua's death and ascension to heaven. Now another consideration, I believe, for believers is that we are the temple of Yahweh. We are the temple of Yahweh. Do we want to pollute it? Here's uh, the passage here. It says 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through, uh, 19 through 20. It says, what? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of Elohim, and you are not your own. That's an important concept, by the way. You are not your own. We belong to the one we worship. We belong to him. Everything we do should reflect him. It says, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify Elohim in your body and in your spirit, which are Yahweh. So we have a mandate. We have an obligation to appease, to follow, to conform to the word of our Father in heaven. We see here that the bodies, our bodies, represent the temple of Yahweh. And why? Where the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Kodesh, dwells within this body, within this temple. You know, based on the word, we know that Yahweh views eating of pork and other unclean meats as an abomination. It's very clear. The word abomination is found in Leviticus 11, is found in Deuteronomy 14, is found in Isaiah 66, Eating swine's flesh is an abomination. You know, with this in mind, how can we keep our temples clean if we're putting within it that which defiles, that which is considered an abomination or the obvious answer is we can't? If we eat that which Yahweh defines as an abomination, we are defiling our temple. And for those who believe that pork is okay to eat, I want you to pause and I want you to consider that statement. If we want to purify our temples, if we want to maintain cleansing uh, our temples as clean, how can we justify putting within those temples that which our Father in Heaven deems 
and defines as an abomination. You know, we need to remember the sanctity of the temple. Yahweh took the temple and and viewed the temple very seriously. We have the examples of Aaron's sons. They thought, hey, we'll just offer strange fire. And because of that, Yahweh smote, he consumed them with fire. We see that example in the Old Testament. So as believers, we need to think long and hard before we defile the temple, which is our bodies. And this isn't only unclean foods. This can be anything. This can be what we listen to, what we do. Obviously, immoral activity, any of those items could be considered a defilement to our temple. But certainly putting within our temple that which defiles, that which Yahweh, our Father in heaven, defines as an abomination, is a defilement of that temple. I want to transition now. I'm going to do quite a bit of reading, but I want to share with you from several sources confirming the detriments of eating pork and other unclean meats. Again, this is evidence that science is finally catching up to our Father's word. Finally catching up. Yeah, we knew it all, all along, but we here find evidence to support what we find scripturally. Now, I will say excuse the common titles and excuse using a Joe Osteen video. I'm not a big fan. But in this case, he brings up some great points, and I thought he would be a great, great example of witness to uh, the detriments of eating pork. So I'm going to share with you one more video. And then let's talk a moment about pork, ham, bacon, pepperoni. These are some of the things that the scripture tells us we should not eat. The ushers have already locked the doors. And of course, this has to do with anything that comes from a pig, a hog, a swine. And I know some of you love pork chops. You love ham and cheese sandwiches. I grew up on all that. I love bacon, but for our health's sake, We have to be willing to make some changes. God knows what's best for us. And back in the Bible days, the pig was considered unclean. It was never considered a source of food. And one of the main reasons why was the pig will eat anything. A pig eats waste and garbage. This is kind of gross, but a pig will eat its own dead child. A pig will eat other sick and infected animals. They're scavengers. And what's interesting is the pig has one of the quickest and poorest digestive systems of any animal. It takes only four hours, and that's not good. Because the digestive system is so quick and so poor, many times the toxins from the food are not properly eliminated, and they are stored in the pig's fat. That means that pig can eat all kinds of filth and garbage. It can eat other infection. Four hours later, it's sent to the slaughter and butchered, In a few days, it's on your plate at home. You're having ribs. The problem is the toxins were never properly eliminated from the pig. On the other hand, the animals that God says are okay for us to eat, like cow, lamb, deer, buffalo, these animals eat fresh, clean vegetation. Their digestive system is much more sophisticated. In fact, a cow basically has three stomachs. And that fresh, clean vegetation is processed through a digestive system that takes 24 hours. Think about it. 24 hours versus 4 hours. Would you rather eat an animal that eats waste and filth or an animal that eats fresh, clean vegetation? An animal that poorly processes the food and stores the toxins in its fat 
or an animal that properly eliminates the toxin from his body. I don't know about you, but I don't want to take a chance of putting that kind of junk in my body. Okay, there it is. We heard Joe Osteen. I never thought I would play a Joe Osteen to support anything, but there it is. It really is amazing. Again, more and more people are coming to this knowledge, understanding the detriments of pork and other, other unclean meats. So again, not a big fan, but it certainly validates the reason we should abstain from pork and other unclean meats. Now, we know that everything within Yahweh's word has a reason and purpose. Everything within it. Now, sometimes we don't understand the reason or purpose. I've had people question me about certain laws we find in the Torah, and I don't know. I just don't know. Like for a fruit tree, why do, why do you have to wait so many years before you eat of the fruit? I don't know. The scripture says to wait, don't eat of the fruit. It's uncircumcised, it says. So again, there's laws we don't know from a scientific standpoint, but I know Yahweh has his reasons. And he has his reasons for pork and these unclean meats and these unclean animals that we find within his word. And those reasons are, are very simple. They're a detriment to our health. And they're a detriment in many, many Many different ways. And I'm going to share several sources with you now. The uh, first one is from what the Bible says about healthy eating from Dr. Russell. And here's what he says. I'm going to switch out the uh, titles when I read this. It says, one thing or one reason for Yahweh's rule forbidding pork is that the digestive system of a pig is completely different from that of a cow. It is similar to ours in that the stomach is very acidic. Pigs are gluttonous, never knowing when to stop eating. Of course, some of us have that issue, too. Their stomach acids become diluted because of the volume of food, allowing all kinds of vermin to pass through the protective barrier. Parasites, bacteria, viruses, and toxins can pass into the pig's flesh because of overeating. These toxins and infectious agents can be passed on to humans when they eat a pig's flesh. So we find evidence from the scientific community explaining why we should not eat pork. Again, within the flesh, we have parasites, bacteria, viruses, toxins, all within the flesh of this animal. And then as we heard from Joe Osteen, which I never thought I would say, this is not good. And this, the the flesh goes from the slaughterhouse to our plates, and again, it passes on these these parasites. Okay, for another reference here, and this is uh, livestrong.com, and it talks about the uh, disadvantages of pork. Actually, no, I'm sorry. This is, maybe that's what it is. I will see. So it says lobsters are uh, nocturnal bottom walkers and scavengers that scavenge for food or dead animals and debris on the ocean floor. They are like the vultures of the oceans. Lobsters, so we're talking about lobsters and clams and and aquatic life. Lobsters have even been seen burying dead fish and digging them up a little at a time to eat. Crabs will eat just about anything and are known as professional garbage hunters. The Encyclopedia of Aquatic Life tells us that crabs, common shrimp and lobsters, so notice that those are all delicacies today, all feed off of dead and decaying matter. Therein lies their occupation. They were created to be 
the cleanup crew for the bottoms of lakes, rivers, and oceans. Again, just like vultures are. They were not intended to be eaten by human beings, eating raw or uncooked crabs, crayfish, shrimp, or snails, puts anyone at risk of severe parasitic infection. Closer observation of oysters, mussels, scallops, and clams show us that Yahweh also had a very significant purpose for these creatures. They are stationary, meaning they do not go hunting for their food, but rather pump large amounts of water over their gills, trapping small pieces of silt, bacteria, viruses, and plant debris for their dinner. And that is from author Grid News, Grace Source, and it's uh, GD, GD's uh, Dietary Laws, Why Pigs, Crabs, and Lobsters Are Bad for You. So, again, another source verifying why we should abstain from these animals, in addition to our father saying that they are an abomination, that they are something we should abstain from. We find here scientifically, medically, why we're to do so. And we're to abstain from these because they are unhealthy. They are detriment to our health. Well, let's keep on moving here with some of these sources. I believe this is actually a Livestrong uh, from the source, Disadvantages of Pork. His pork, pork poses certain health risks from bacteria and resistant bacteria that cause infection and viruses. Eating pork contaminated with a foodborne bacteria can cause vomiting, fever, diarrhea, abdominal cramps, and dehydration. Roundworm infestation, also known as trichinosis, is a disadvantage of pork that can be prevented. Uncooked pork can contain the trichinilla uh, spirulis parasite, also known as pork worm. Eating the infested pork causes a cyst to break open in, the, in your intestines and grow into large adult roundworms. The roundworms multiplying your intestines and move through your gut into your bloodstream, invading muscle tissue, according to the Na- uh, National Institute of Health. This can affect your heart, brain, lungs, diaphragm. Symptoms of roundworm infestation include cramps, diarrhea, fever, muscle pain, or weakness, and abdominal discomfort. Saturated fats are one of the major risk factors for heart disease. Saturated fats cause your LDL cholesterol levels, the bad cholesterol to rise, increasing your risk for heart disease. Saturated fat also increases your risk for becoming overweight or obese, which directly impacts your heart and other organs. The saturated fat in pork comes from bacon, sausage, and pork, lard used in baking. The American Heart Association recommends reducing your consumption of saturated fats or replacing them with unsaturated fat choices. So again, we see here the detriments from a scientific standpoint, why we should be abstaining from these animals, these unclean animals. Now the next three uh, slides, or next next three uh, references, all from the same source, Dr. Axe, but he explains incrementally different issues, reasons why we should be abstaining. So the first one is the pig's problematic digestive systems. This is the first reason why we should abstain from pork. So there are reasons that the meat of the pig becomes more saturated with toxins than many of his counterpart farm animals. The first reason has to do with the digestive system of a pig. A pig digests whatever it eats rather quickly to digest what is eaten. So Yahweh, he engineered these animals in a way 
And he engineered pigs to be scavengers and to clean things up, whereas he engineered a, a, a cow and, and uh, other foods like elk for, for consumption. It says, during the digestive process, animals, including humans, get rid of excess toxins as well as other components of the food eaten that could be dangerous to health. Since the pig's digestive system operates rather basically, many of, the, many of these toxins remain in a system to be stored in more than adequate fatty tissues ready for our consumption. Notice our consumptions. goes on to say another issue with the pig is that it has very, it has a very few functional sweat glands and can barely sweat at all. Sweat glands are a tool the body uses to be rid of toxins. This leaves more toxins in the pig's body. When you consume pork, meat, you, get, you too get all these toxins that weren't eliminated from the pig. None of us needs more toxins in our system. So, again, problem one is we've already talked about it. It is a digestive system of the pig. It was never designed to be eaten or consumed. It is designed, it was engineered, it was created to cleanse, to, to be a scavenger. Okay, let's move on. Another reason why, same source, we should avoid this, is increased cancer risk from bacon and other processed pork. It says, according to the World Health Organization, processed pork like ham, bacon, and sausage causes cancer. The International Agency for Research on Cancer actually classifies processed meat as a carcinogen, something that causes cancer. Researchers found that consuming 50 grams of processed meat each day raises your risk of cancer by a very significant 18%. Processed meat is considered to be food items like ham, bacon, sausage, hot dogs, some deli meats. Noticing a theme there, these are all mainly pork-derived food products. How much processed meat is 50 grams? That's about four strips of bacon. Maybe you're thinking that you only eat two pieces of bacon regularly. According to this research, that would likely equate to a 9% increase of cancer likelihood. Isn't that amazing? 18%, four pieces of bacon. Many, many people eat bacon every single day, pork bacon. They love pork bacon. And we see here that it increases your cancer risk by 18%. If you lower that to two pieces of bacon, that's not much. It still raises your cancer risk to 9%. Goes on to say, unfortunately, pork and processed meat is often consumed by folks following the Cato diet, the Paleo diet, as well as the Atkins diet. For example, instead, they should be using healthier meat. What? It says beef, lamb, bison, and chicken. What do what does all those meats have in common? They're clean. They're clean. So Yahweh tells us this for a reason. Again, I find that just astounding. I find it amazing that our Father in heaven. He cares enough to give us this blueprint, to give us this word, this, this instruction manual of how to live. And within this manual, he defines what is clean and unclean or what is healthy and not healthy. And now we're finding through medical science breakthrough that Yahweh was right all along. And we see these unclean meats, they cause cancer in this case. Okay, one more risk, according to Dr. Axe here, it says swine flu in humans. The swine flu is another virus that has made the leap from pig to human. 
influenza or flu viruses can be directly transmitted from pigs to humans, from humans to pigs, and from humans to humans. Human infection with flu viruses from pigs are most likely when humans are physically close to infected pigs. Swine influenza virus infections in human are now being called variant virus infections in humans. I wonder why the authorities removed the word swine. Kind of makes you wonder, right? It's amazing how they do that, by the way. They manipulate the human language or the, the English language, and they change words. You know, one time, and most of you, many of you probably know this, gay was something positive, right? Where they've taken a word that was very positive, and they've made it for me and for you very negative. Or here they've done the same thing by removing the word swine. Was it scaring people away from eating pork? Probably. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, H1N1 and H3N2, are swine flu viruses that are endemic among pig populations in the United States and something that the industry deals with routinely. Outbreaks can occur year-round. H1N1 has been observed in pig populations since at least 1930, while H3N2 began in the United States around 1998. So, again, further evidence showing from a medical perspective why we should be avoiding these unclean foods. I want to share one more source with you. This is from a natural living family. And it says this, pigs function much like trash cans in that they will eat anything they find, which explains one of the reasons why pork is bad for you. I also do not believe humans were originally intended to eat pigs. As discussed in the Bible, the Hebrew people avoided pig products, and pork is a dietary belief. Pigs are an unclean meat, stated by Leviticus, because they do not chew the cud. Even today's researchers support that pigs are not fit for human consumption because of the high toxicity levels they carry. Again, going back to the study I was referring to, according to Johns Hopkins University, that a pig is more toxin than a toxic than a rat. Goes on to say it should be well expected that pigs harbor large concentrations of viruses and parasites because of their scavenger lifestyle. These pathogenic organisms create dangerous health complications. Pigs are the primary host or carriers of the following viruses or parasites: meningovirus, virus, hepatitis E, Nepal virus. Tinea, solium, tapeworm, porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome, or PRRS. And there's many others. Those are certainly some of the viruses we find within pigs. You know, knowing this information, why is it that so many believers so so adamant to maintain eating that which Yahweh defines as an abomination? I know many, many family members who would disagree with me adamantly. And many of them are Bible believers. And they will point to passages. We'll, we'll, look, at, we'll look at those before we uh, close today. But for the most part, the reason is, is 2,000 years of misinformation and man-made tradition. The church for 2,000 years, they've been saying, these foods are clean. The Messiah came. He did away with all that. Somehow he supernaturally changed the toxicity of these meats. And now they are clean or kosher or acceptable to eat. 
Well, I want to spend a few minutes looking at these arguments, looking at these passages that so many use to support these nonsensical arguments, these nonsensical conclusions, and that is, again, that pork and other unclean meats are now kosher or acceptable to eat. I want to begin with Mark 7. This is a very popular passage. Mark 7, 18 through 19. And I'm going to read from the RSP and then from the NIV, and this is one reason why I'm not a big fan of the NIV for the most part. It says, the RSP says, And he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without enters into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it enters not into the heart, but into the belly, and goes out into the draught, purging all meats. So that's the yard speed. Same thing with the King James. The NIV says something a little bit differently. It says, are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart but into their stomach, and then out of the body. And saying this, Yahshua declared all foods clean. Now again, I read from both the RSB and the NIV. This is one reason. Again, I'm not a fan of the NIV. It says again near the end, and saying this, Yahshua declared all foods clean. This isn't found in the Greek. It's not found in the RSP. It's not found in the NI or the uh, KJV. I don't know if it's found in any, any other version besides the NIV. You know, for those who may not know, there's a difference between the KJV, for instance, and the NIV. So the KJV is, cons- is considered a translation, or the NIV is considered a paraphrase. It takes a thought and renders that thought into English. The problem is it takes liberties as we find here, and it took a major, major liberty in stating that Yahshua declared all foods clean, when certainly we don't see the evidence for that within the text. It shows the distortion and the bias within this paraphrase. If not food, what was Yahshua referring to? We find the answer in verse 1 through 5. Really early, though, verse 1, it says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes, which came from Jerusalem, and when they saw some of his disciples, so they're coming to Yahshua here, eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. So where do you see pig here, or swine, or any other unclean animal mentioned? This has nothing to do with unclean animals, but with rabbinic tradition. It goes on to say, For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft or often, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, which they have received, a hold is a washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? doesn't say walk according to Yahweh's word, or the Bible, or scriptures, or the Torah, or the Tanakh. No, it's the tradition of the elders, but it says, But eat bread, bread with unwashed hands. 
So what do we see in this passage? If we see the Jews coming to Yahshua, they're asking, why are your disciples not following our traditions? Why are they not washing their hands before they eat? You see the Jews, and this was more than washing, by the way. When you go to Israel, you see there's a pot and most restrooms, and they wash with this pot ceremonially. They have to pour it so many times over the right and so many times over the left, and they have to do it precisely the right way. This is not about washing your hands. This is about ceremonial washings, rabbinical washings. had nothing to do with clean foods. The disciples did not wash their hands. And maybe they washed, but not according to the rabbinical style. Whatever it was, we find that it was with unwashed hands, not with pork or unclean animals. Simply read the text. You know, it's amazing how such smart people, and there's a lot of great smart theologians out there, and yet they can read things like this, and they're blinded. How does that work, by the way? Where I believe that Yahweh has to open up our eyes to the truth. And you can be an incredibly intelligent person and still miss the truth. I've had so many people over the years ask me, why can't this person see it? Why can't that person see it? Why can't my spouse see it? Why can't my children see it? And my answer is always the same. Yahweh has to open up our eyes and our ears to the truth. If he doesn't do that, we're not going to see it. He has to open our eyes and our ears. That's how so many smart people can read something like this and they can miss it. That in 2,000 years of being told otherwise. This has nothing to do with pork, unclean foods, or meats. Now we see one more piece of evidence I want to review. Mark 15. Mark 15 is a parallel passage to to Mark, uh, Matthew 15, but it's a parallel passage to Mark 7. And Yahshua said this in, in verse 16. And Yahshua said, Are you also yet without understanding? Do you yet do you do not yet you understand that whatsoever enters in at the mouth goes into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. So you see, Yahshua was more focused here on the inside of man, not the outside. But again, nothing to do with clean, clean foods or unclean animals. goes on to say, For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile the man. But listen, it says, But to eat with unwashed hands defiles not a man. There's the answer. There's a context. Yahshua explained. He, under, he, he verified what he's referring to, and that is to unwashed hands. Now, for the record, there's nothing wrong with washing your hands. We encourage that here. But here, the context is these rabbinical washings. And again, it wasn't only washing hands, but washing hands in a very specific ceremonial way, which is not scriptural. It was added and it was added ceremonially or through these rabbinic traditions. Well, let's move on. Acts 10. Acts 10 is another popular one. Acts 10, 11 through 17. And this is Peter's vision. It says, And saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. 
And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, master, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What Elohim hath cleansed, that call not you common. This was done thrice or three times, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted, he doubted, in himself, what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So what do we see in this passage? We find here that Peter, he was hungry, by the way. I don't think I read that part, but he was hungry. And he fell into this trance. And in this trance, he saw this sheet come down from heaven. And on this sheet, we find unclean animals he hears a voice and that voice said kill and eat now what was peter's response what was peter's response where he said i have never eaten anything common or unclean this is such an amazing profession verification from peter he's confirming that he had never eaten anything unclean according to Yahweh's word. Now, after the vision, we find that Peter was, he was doubting, he was perplexed. He did not know what Yahweh was trying to communicate to him at this point. Now, before I want to move on, before moving on to the meaning of the vision, I want to, I want to point out two points. Number one, according to chronologists, and we've already kind of mentioned this, but This took place 10 years after Yahshua's death and ascension to heaven. 10 years. If Yahshua really made all cleans meet, as so many believe, why is Peter still confused? After all, we saw in Mark 7, Yahshua saying that in saying this, he declared all foods clean. No, not really. And I wonder how many people, they just, they, they stop, they pause, and they think, okay, how is it possible Peter did not know this? Why was Peter still eating clean or kosher 10 years after Yahshua's ascension to heaven? How many people really pause? And because this makes no sense, this is nonsensical. Well, the second point here is that Peter himself was perplexed in the meaning of the vision. He doubted the meaning of the vision. And yet, we find these theologians, they can read this vision and this vision alone, and they know the meaning, even though Peter himself did not know the meaning. That seems a bit baffling for me. Maybe it seems a bit arrogant that they believe that they would know the meaning when Peter himself, who was the one who received the vision, did not know the meaning of the vision until Yahweh explained it. So let's read the explanation. So Acts 10, verse 28, it says, And he said unto them, Know you how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come one unto another Nation, But Elohim hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. You see, that was a purpose. That was the point of the vision, to show Peter not to call any man common or unclean. It says, therefore, come I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for, I ask, therefore, for what intent you have sent for me. And Cornelius said, 
Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. He saw an angel and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard. And by the way, Cornelius is a Gentile. That's the point of this story. This man was not a Jew. Again, it says, and it said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of Elohim. Send therefore, therefore to Joppa, and call thither or hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the seaside, who, when he comes, shall speak unto you. So Yahweh was preparing Peter through this vision for his encounter with Cornelius. Peter again says here that Elohim hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. You see, he understood the vision. He understood what Yahweh was trying to communicate to him when he saw this sheet come down from heaven with all these four-footed beasts. He understood the reason why Yahweh said, kill and eat. He understood the point of this vision that he had received. We find him realizing for the first time that he was not to call any man common or unclean. And this means to show racial or, or ethnic bias. This is the point of what we find here. You know, I believe that this is why Yahweh used unclean animals within the vision shown to Peter. These unclean animals represented the Gentiles. In fact, when you understand the Jews, in fact, we know historically speaking, and even today, many Jews will not eat with non-Jews. They viewed other races, other nationalities, other ethnicities as unclean. And they refused to to socialize in this way. They would not eat with other nations. And here, again, Yahweh is telling Peter not to call any man common or unclean. Do not show a distinction. Do not show a separation. Do not show a division because of wraith or ethnicity. And we know according to the word, I don't have it here, but all who works righteousness are acceptable to Yahweh. That's what we also find in Acts 10. Doesn't matter. So what we're talking about is racial division. And Yahweh saying, now is the time. My truth is not only for Jews and not only for the Israelites, but my truth is for all nations. This was the first Gentile convert, according to many scholars. And this was a turning point for the early assembly. And Peter was the one to make this point. Peter was the one to recognize and realize and then to communicate to the others what had happened. And that Yahweh's door has now opened not only to the Jews, but to all peoples, to all nationalities, to all ethnicities, does not matter. So again, the lesson here for us is we should never discriminate. We should never discriminate regarding a person's race or ethnicity. In Galatians, in Galatians uh, 3, it says there that we are all one in Messiah. It says neither, there's neither Jew, there's neither Greek, there's neither bond, there's neither uh, um, free, male, female, for we are all one in Messiah, and if we're Messiahs were Abraham's seed, ears according to Abraham. Well, let's look at another example we find within the word. Colossians 2, verse 16, it says, Let no man therefore judge in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or the Sabbath day. You know, many people interpret Paul saying here that we're not to allow others to judge us on our freedom 
in regards to these commandments. In other words, we can eat what we want to eat. Nobody can judge us on that matter. We can worship how we want to worship. If we want to worship on Wednesday, we can worship on Wednesday. If we want to worship on Friday or Sunday, we can worship on Friday and Sunday. It does not matter. We have that right. We have that freedom now to worship when and how we want. And again, we have freedom to eat what we want. And nobody is to judge us on our freedom. Or that's how most people interpret this passage. Or nothing could be further from the truth. This passage is not saying that, that we are now free to worship as we see fit or eat what we see fit. No. No. Paul is speaking to the assembly. And he's encouraging the assembly not to allow the world to judge us when it comes to the observance of Yahweh's word. Don't let the world judge you and what you eat. Don't let the world judge you when you refuse to abstain from pork or other unclean meats. That's what Paul's saying here. This has nothing to do with foods that Yahweh has supposedly cleansed for human consumption, that we can now go down to the local deli and have a ham sandwich. Nothing could be further from the truth. One more verse here. One more verse. And then we'll do our review. 1 Timothy 4, 3 through 5, it says, Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which Elohim hath created be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of Elohim is good and nothing to be refused. If it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified with the word of Elohim. So again, they're going to say here that Paul is verifying that we can now eat unclean meats. That Yahshua's death somehow supernaturally changed this, and it's no longer, uh, no longer unhealthy for mankind. They'll point to things like forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meat. So there it is. You can't command me that I abstain from pork. Well, that's not what Paul's saying here. They'll also say, as long as you pray over the food, you're good. As long as you pray over that ham sandwich, you're fine. That your Father in heaven, he sees nothing wrong with you eating that ham sandwich, as long as you fervently pray over that ham sandwich. Well, that's not what this passage is saying. And how do we know that? Well, there's one key phrase I often look to, and that is in the, in the beginning here, verse 3, I believe it is. It says, which Elohim hath created be received with thanksgiving. So think about that for just a moment. Remind me, what animals did Yahweh create to be received? Was it pork or lobster? What was it? What animals did Yahweh create to be received? Where well, Yahweh created things like cattle, cows, and and, and bison, and, and, and crappie, right, to be received. We know this based on Leviticus 11, Deuteronomy 14. So this passage is not speaking about Yahweh cleansing or allowing, eating unclean meat. No, this has nothing to do with that. We're like the other passages we've looked at. This is a distortion of truth. Nothing could be further from Yahweh's word. You know, as we've seen throughout this message, not only does the Bible confirm what we should and should not eat, medical science also validates this. And that's what I find most intriguing about clean foods. That's what I find most intriguing about the biblical diet. It's not only something we know from the word, and certainly that's enough, but we know from medical science. There's volumes of work out there now, verifying, confirming. I could go all day long reading sources, 
all saying the same thing, and that is to abstain from pork, to abstain from, from lobster, to abstain from these scavengers. It validates what we find. There's a reason and purpose behind everything our Father does. And there was a reason why he commanded certain foods to be, or certain meats to be eaten and not eaten. And we've reviewed them. And the reason is very simple. It's a detriment. It is a detriment to man's health. Whether it's cholesterol, whether it's cancer-causing, whether it's viruses, we're to abstain from these animals because they're not fit for human consumption. 